Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, and welcome back, everybody, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 120-120, and this is for February the 3rd, 2018th, even though we're recording it today, February 4th. I'm your host, Jack, and I'm going to guide you into, through, and back out of the world of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. If you get a chance, please check out our website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows, and I hope that you do. And you can also give me some feedback on what you may want to hear or see later on down the road. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, you can drop me an email at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and as at Technoman. Please remember, a lot of you have went over to the YouTube channel, and that is for to Technoman, T-E-C-H-N-O-M-A-N, the number 4-2 in the beginning there. And I will have a link uh, this week with the show, uh, with the podcast, so you can find that easily. A lot of you went over and actually viewed the video. Thank you very much. Uh, if you get a chance, please give it a thumbs up. That helps to r- lift it up in the ratings a little bit and give us a little bit better rankings on YouTube. Uh, Thank you for watching that. Today you may want to watch it even more than in the past because today we're going to show you a couple things here on the screen, which I don't normally do on a podcast, but uh, I feel this is necessary for today's show. So what we're going to talk about today and start investigating a little bit, and this is something that uh, I am currently working on at work, uh, a project of mine, uh, that I was tasked with, and a lot of you out there I know are, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past. So what are we talking about? We are simply talking about on-premise servers versus uh, cloud-based servers. And what we are looking at is Microsoft Azure. This is because mainly we have a ESS agreement uh, because it's a school, so we have a licensing agreement with Microsoft for the campus, And it works out very well for us if we're already using that license. Apparently, we get a little discount on Azure, which is still to be determined because I have to find out what that discount is. And hopefully, that's going to be coming up here um, relatively soon to the point where um, we're going to be able to uh, find out what that discount is and and see where we're going to be there. So let's first talk a little bit about your on-premise servers. And this is getting to be one of those really, really um, shaky type of a, um, my computer wants to restart. It gives us a little bit of a shaky type of a ground base with, even if you're a consultant and you're working out there with smaller clients, uh, let's say traditionally they would have one server. Why could you not then not buy that hardware and host their server in the cloud on something like Microsoft Azure um, or AWS? And we also see another player coming into the market, uh, the Google Cloud, which I've been looking at. And they don't make it real easy to understand if you can virtualize servers there or if it's just their cloud-based services. 
So there's something there. Uh, I know they're working on something, but it's not real clear just as yet. To me, anyway, maybe it is to you. So the on-premise server is what we've been doing forever. Um, my partner asked the other day, she came in, we were talking about Azure, and she said, why don't we just go Azure? And I said, well, to be honest with you, the thing that I have to worry about when you're looking at Azure or any cloud-based server is most of us, including myself, want to learn something new, but do you really want to roll it out in production? That's the big thing. So do we want to put it out in production because you don't know it well enough to know uh, its ins and outs and its downfalls or its weaknesses or its strengths? And it's really hard to decide of a project like that, and I'm sure it is for you also. So we tend to lean back to our on-premise servers because we know how to do those. Um, many of us have virtualized those servers over the years. That was the big catchphrase probably, oh, wow, like 10 years ago, I guess. Maybe, yeah, probably about 10 years ago. Uh, the big catchphrase was virtualization, virtualize everything. Virtualize everything in your server rack. And ours ours definitely is, and we talked about that before. Currently, we are running VMware uh, ESXi, I told you about. Uh, we are running Hyper-V, and... We are also running a Zen server, a Zen virtualization server. So we have three different flavors of virtualization in our network. Um, and that is uh, from a past uh, director that was there. You know, he put three different versions in. And I believe the one, the Zen server, was actually put in because the vendor recommended it uh, for the software that's running on it. So I think that's probably why that's there. What we're looking at doing now, though, is doing a complete reboot and restore. And we talked about if it's an on-premise server, now this is going to get you a little bit, we're talking about using VMware ESX, or VMware, I guess it's called Hyper, is it Hyper-V, Hyper-Version, um, whichever. <laughs> and I should be looking this stuff up actually as we're talking. Uh, matter of fact, I think I will look it up. Um, let's see, uh, VMware. So VMware, we're talking about in in the shop to running VMware. And the reason we're looking at doing this is because, one, I'm very familiar with it. Again, we get back to that doing what I know uh, is, is one thing that we have to look at. Um, and I'm looking at here what the name of that is. Um, vSphere is what I was looking for. Sorry about that. But vSphere or vSphere hypervisor will allow us to um, migrate servers from one box to the next box very, very easily uh, if something would go down. Let's say if you have to run maintenance on your first server, you can actually have your servers migrate to the other server, be running, have maybe a second downtime, and then you can work on that first physical box. Also, what's going to happen is if you have one of those two physical boxes go down, you can have your, your server, basically your, your virtual server, move to the other server. If there is, and a lot of you out there might be shaking your head right now and your car is going, no, Jack, that's not the way it works. If you have a SAN disk, so you have to have a SAN disk or some kind of uh, additional storage unit that you're going to keep your all your virtual machines on so both of those servers can get to those virtual drives. And I think this is where people make a lot of mistakes with that. They think that the... They think that the vSphere is going to move from one server to the other server. And if they have those virtual drives localized on that server, it's not going to work. Because if those, if those physical disks go down, 
you're going to lose your whole entire uh, server rack. So it's just not going to work out for you. So you may be saying, well then, okay, Jack, so why are you going to look at Azure? As I said, with the ESS agreement, we get a slight discount. So that's the positive note. We already do have a Hyper-V um, environment. So we have most of our servers are on the Hyper-V environment. So as far as moving those servers off of there and putting them into the cloud, I don't think that's going to be the big task at hand. I believe it's going to be... Um, the, the bigger task at hand will be if I want to recreate some of those servers, and a lot of them have to be recreated. Um, we want to start, in, well, this is, let me back up for a second. We want to start a uh, an Azure domain controller. And if you go into Windows 10, and if you've ever connected a Windows 10 computer to your domain controller, and I'm sure you have, before it's connected to a domain controller, look in there, and it'll say connect to a, a Microsoft Azure environment. So you can go in there and actually connect it straight to and have your domain controller in the Microsoft Azure environment. And then you don't have to have an on-premise on or on-prem domain controller. So there's something else we're looking at. If we have an on-premise domain controller and we set our network up uh, with a VPN connection, uh, it's site-to-site -site VPN between us and Azure, Azure can actually operate just as an on-premise network. And then you can see all the servers you have out there just like you would if they were in your rack. Or do we go the other route and we set up the Azure domain controller and have everything on Azure? Uh, we do have two internet lines. I think we talked about this before. I think that's key. That's one of the main elements you have to have is to have uh, two domain controllers. I mean, two network pass and they should be very much independent of each other uh, in other words don't get two separate lines from verizon don't buy two separate lines from comcast or any other provider because now you only have one route uh, we know the internet was created and made up of multiple route to route paths if one path is down there's always a route to get around that path and go another way make take another hop take another jump to another router and you can still get to where you're going because it's multiple, multiple to multiple to multiple connections. So that's something to think about. So we do have two internet connections. I think our second one is 150 meg. Our first one is a uh, 10 gig connection. So I would think that we'd have to, and I've already talked to uh, our administration, or your, you know, and we didn't go any further than that. We've just been kicking this idea around. We talked about increasing that bandwidth of that backup just in case. So that is the next stuff that we are actually thinking about. So using an Azure Sync to send users to the cloud. If you've never played with Office 365, I, I would recommend that you do. Start looking at Office 365 and start thinking about it a little bit. And how to sync those, uh, your domain controller users over to Azure or you know AWS and I'm not sure if it's set up that way or not they have I would imagine they have a domain connector somehow and what's nice about that is when I go to Azure and I log in I can see all of our domain users I can see all of our security groups everything is already there it's already populated so I think we are already probably you know five steps ahead of anybody else that's never implemented any of this so what I was Looking at, uh, let's see, building a better integrated cloud 
to a premise network. And we've been talking about that. Building a better Azure environment with also using your on-premise environment. And we did look, you know, when you first do this, the first thing you need to do is open up, I don't care, a document of any kind and start investigating a little bit and see what we have to do. What do you have to move? Um, what can't be moved? And I'll give you a, an instance of that. You may have these in your network right now. And what kind of stuff do you need to have on-premise? The first thing I can think of that needs to be on-premise, unless you're using a cloud-based solution, is your, your VoIP, your phone system, right? Your, your VOIP, um, your voice over IP system. That pretty much has to stay on-premise. Uh, it is a very much, uh, it's ran by uh, the company that came in to put it in, and it's their own you know, physical box. It's in our server rack, and it's not something that I would want to move. Now, if you were moving away from an on-premise phone system and you would go to something uh, like one of these online providers uh, I've been seeing a lot of, where you can, you know, let them handle all your phone traffic. I mean, come on, folks. It's VoIP, right? It's voice over IP. Who cares where the IP is connected to? As long as the phone call gets into the, that service, that service will then relay it back to whatever phone in your, in your offices are supposed to ring. So who cares where it's at? But right now, we are not there. The second on-premise device or equipment we have, you may have also. I know you have phones, but you may also have this. And it is the uh, camera system. Right now, schools are huge in security and cameras. And this is every school that I've been in, every school that I've done any uh, consulting work with, any schools that I went and had a talk with, they are very, very big into security. I mean, from the time you walk in, you scan your driver's license, they give you a badge. Then you walk into the school, there is cameras everywhere. If you walk into your kids' schools, look around. Start looking around the ceilings and see just how many cameras they have. Well, all those cameras are set up to record on motion. So if it recorded all day long, there would, there would never be a server big enough to actually handle all that traffic. I mean, you would just have, um, you know, tons and tons and tons of data. So they are set up to, to anytime there's movement to record. Now the thing is that recording in these files and this backend storage gets very, very heavy. We're looking at putting a new uh, 20, I think we're putting in a, yeah, a 20 terabyte uh, backend server just to capture all of our cameras. And we're looking at increasing our cameras from a 90 up to probably about 130. So you're even looking at more data traffic. Can you imagine an airport? how much data traffic they collect from their camera systems. Or maybe around your small office, you may have cameras in your hallways or receptionist offices, or um, maybe not in their office, but in the reception areas, you know, in the hallways, because you want to protect yourself against any uh, litigation of somebody walking out saying, I fell in your hallway. Well, if you had video, you know they probably did not fall in your hallway. A lot of companies are putting uh, cameras in the elevators, so it's just nice to be able to have all that. But that's, again, something that has to stay on-premise. I can't take that and remove it and send it somewhere else. With that said, we did look at, let me see, take a sip of coffee here. We did look at um, going with Meraki. 
Now, if you've never used any Meraki gear, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And you know, um, the last district, I totally revamped all the wireless and put all Meraki wireless gear in. Uh, both buildings, I ended up putting um, approximately 90 to 100 access points in. Um, and it was phenomenal. Everybody loved it. They loved the speed they were getting out of them. Uh, they loved the connectivity out of those. So when I was approached by Meraki and we were looking for cameras and we're looking at doing a wireless uh, setup, the same type of wireless setup uh, it, with the new district that I'm with, we were talking a little bit about um, their cameras. They said, we have a camera system too that uses the same cloud-based interface. And I said, that's great. Meraki is also very, very good with sending you demo units. So they sent us, we requested four demo units. We wanted two indoor cameras and two outdoor cameras. And we put those in. Now, here's the thing about Meraki. First, I asked, well, does the video all record back to your office? And they told me very flat out, no, it does not. I said, well, where is the video stored at? The video is stored on onboard memory cards in Meraki itself uh, on each camera. That's good and bad. The good part is if your server room catches fire and you don't have backup of your video, you're going to lose all your video because everything's on one centralized server. This way, they're on each individual camera. So if somebody knocks a camera off, you're going to lose footage for that camera, but you may not lose it for the entire system. The next thing really nice about it is, and most camera systems will do this anyway, is you can view it from anywhere. You can give people access to the cameras. Here's a downside to the cloud-based camera solution was basically... The video, we have full-time police officers at our school. They watch these cameras all day, and they said there was like a, a one to two second delay because the video that you're watching, you're watching it from a server in California, the state of California, and we are in Pennsylvania. So there's a little delay from getting that video feed from us to them and then watching it back on uh, on the web browser. So that's something to think about, but that would have been an off-premise solution for video. So with all this, if you're moving your entire infrastructure to Azure, what I was asked the other day by our business manager after we had a meeting, we you know we usually get together once a week, and we'll sit down, we'll talk maybe for a half hour and just kick some ideas, especially now because it's budget time. I said, what would you rather have? A, a capital layout, because whenever you do a project with new servers, which we need this year, is it a capital expenditure? That's what it is. So that capital expenditure is the expenditure that you're going to have to lay out right up front. I said, and I know by working with my business manager, who's a very, very uh, great guy, very smart business manager, probably the, probably the smartest business manager I've ever met uh, in any school. He's, he is way against leasing. And I had the company recently call me, and you probably get these two in your office, about leasing equipment. So I said, look, this is the way I want to run my lease. Can you do this? I want no finance charges and a dollar buyout at the end of the three-year three year lease. So I want three years. We'll make you a monthly payment uh, with no finance charging and a dollar buyout. He said, we could never do that, Jack. We would never make any money. I said, exactly. Because when you lease, you're going to pay out more. So let's say if you're leasing, if I want to lease $75,000 worth of servers for most of them want you to lease it for five years. It's going to probably end up costing you uh, at least uh, 125000 if not double. 
150000 Because the leasing company has to make their money, right? They buy it up front and you pay them back. They have to make a living. We all know that. Uh, the dollar buy at the end, who cares? They got paid double for the equipment that you could have bought up front for just as paying the $75,000. So <laughs> it really gets tricky. And I know he hates leases. So, you know, working with these working with these companies out there that want us to do leasing, I basically just tell them that. We have a very knowledgeable business manager. Like I said, the most knowledgeable business manager I've ever met in a school. And he is uh, way against leasing. It's just not going to happen. So then I said, well, wonder if instead of a capital layout for these servers, um, after I gave him a heart pill, I say that too, and I walk in, I say, hey, um, you might want to take a heart pill before I, before I bring this up. Uh, and he knows it's going to be a big number. I said, what if we can do all of our servers on a service-based fee? And he said, Jack, he said, you are an amazing tech director. And I was like, you know what? And he goes, that is an amazing idea. He said, but what he gave me the task of doing, and this is my, my downfall right now. And I'm asking everybody out there listening to this podcast or watching this video to please, please, this is one I need some major answers on because I'm looking for your help. What is the cost per month and per year of us to do a service-based fee? He said, if I can go back to him and show him where that cost, even if it's stretched out, let's stretch it out to three years, take that $75,000 initial hit, and we have to make sure that within three years, we're not paying 100000 because the equipment we could have bought would last three to five years for 75000 So there's a problem there. So I found this cool tool, and this is what I told you about on at the beginning of the podcast. If you're, in fact, um, not watching the video, um, I'm going to give you this web address, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in the link of this uh, podcast, so that way you'll have it when you get to the office. I know a lot of you are like me, and you listen to podcasts in cars. But if you check out the YouTube video, uh, I'm going to show this on the screen now. So let's go ahead to the computer here. Where we are at is the, it's HTTPS colon slash slash azure.microsoft.com slash en dash us slash pricing slash calculator. And like I said, don't worry about, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, that is uh, very much uh, where I'm at and I'm going to show you how this works. So I was playing with this the other day thinking, okay, so... What do I have to do here? What I have to do is, I know I want virtual machines, and I know I have an SQL database. I actually have two SQL databases. I want to kind of get a, an idea of how much it's going to cost to run these servers. And that's exactly what this calculator was built for. Not that I can guarantee I'm 100% knowledgeable on how to use it, but we're going to take a crack at it. So if I click on virtual machine, and... What's going to happen, it's going to add the virtual machine. I click on view here, and it's going to show me the virtual machine. What region do I want it to be in? You can change your regions based on where you're at. Um, I'm going to go east, uh, east U.S. Because, no, let's see. Yeah, that's right, because we're on the east coast. We'll go east U.S. The operating system, I can tell you already looking at this the other day, if you know Linux and you can do anything on your servers or have any server, maybe you have a web server and you can run it on Linux, do so because it's a lot cheaper. 
We're going to say Windows, though, because that's what we're going to want. The type is uh, OS, uh, OS only. That's what I want to put in there. The tier, you got standard, basic, or low priority. And since I didn't have a clue which one I should select, I just selected standard. And we're just going to go for that. This is what threw me right here. Is It says one core. I understand that. 3.5 gigabytes of RAM. What happened to 4, 8, 16, 32? That I don't really understand. 50 gigabytes of temporary storage. What exactly is temporary storage? I don't actually understand that part either. I mean, who wants temporary storage? We want permanent storage. But what I think it's doing here is the temporary storage on the server is basically holding any of, how would you say this? Let's say we have a library software. So the library software is an SQL database. So the 50 gigs of temporary storage is going from the server and it's going to store up to 50 gigs of temporary files, I guess, and then move those over to your SQL server. So you can click this pull down menu. You can say, look, that's not enough. We're going to do something bigger than that. Um, I like my servers to run faster. So we're going to do, we're going to go and try this one. Two cores, 16 gigs of RAM, makes more sense, and 80 gigs of temporary storage. Now, it says down here, you could do one-year reserved, you can do three-year reserved, or pay-as-you-go. We're going to do pay-as-you-go. This hours, hours, days, and months. So, hours is 730 hours, or you can do days or months. Let's do months. And the total months... We're going to run this up to, we want to see how much it is for the year. It won't let me do it by the year. Huh. Well, anyway, that's okay. It'll give me for the month. I can always use a calculator and get the year. So one month running this server for the whole month should cost me $438 a month. All right. With that, now we go back up because you can scroll right back up here. There's storage you can have. We don't store any of our files. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. We don't store any of our files um, on our servers any longer. All of our personal files are stored on Google Drives. But we do have SQL databases. I told you that. We have two. So we're going to go here. So we have two of those. Um, let's see here. No, nope. We'll say a single database just to get the basic cost. Um, again, we'll go the basic tier. Seems pretty reasonable. Two gigabytes included storage per database. That's not bad. Two gigabytes of storage per database. So you're going to have to, what I would do is make sure and highly recommend that you do know how much storage you have on your database, on, you know, that your database is. So anyway, it's, it's five DTUs. I'm not really sure what that is. Two gigabytes included storage per database. So if I have three databases, that's a total of six gigs of storage. So that's not bad. Again, I want this by the month. So we're going to do one month. And we're going to try to get this. So it's telling me one month for one database is $4.90 for the SQL server to run. So there I have um, pretty decent price estimated cost per month of $442.90.
again, that's to run one server. We can see here one server um, and one SQL database. Now, mind you, we do have right now in our rack, I think a total of 15 virtual servers running. So this is something I'm going to have to look at because if you go 15 virtual servers and we do something like this, just to get an idea, I'm sure you're already doing the math here for me. So if I take 430, or no, not even 438, yeah, 438, we'll take $438 and we're going to times that by 15. Because it's not telling me I can virtualize any servers on that server because it is a virtualized server. So we're looking at $6,570 a month. Now if we times that by 12, for one year we're already up to $78,840 if you put all those servers up there. Now if you look at three years, uh, we're going to times that That's by 12, we'll times it by three years. We're looking at $236,520. Now, is that the exact price? Is that what you you would think? Is that how you would approach it and say, oh, we'll be spending $236,520? You know, I don't think this is exactly what I'm looking at. So we are going to call, uh, and I'll give you guys an update on it next week. This week, I think Monday, I um, have a call in. To find out, one, how much is our discount for education? That's going to be huge. Um, and I'm probably not going to reveal that to you folks out there because, it, you know, it's just not right for me to do that. But I will tell you if they can give me an estimated cost on what I have and, and see if they can help me out, maybe better understand this. But this calculator is available. Like I said, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Uh, to to run it yourself and see if, if maybe it's going to work for you. But if you're using, if it's going to be one server, I mean, how how cool is that for one server? And so for one server is four hundred thirty eight dollars, and an SQL database for four ninety, and you're looking at four hundred forty two dollars again per per month. I mean, that's just, that's pretty amazing to me that it would be that, that price, right? So it's something, so four, four, let's say 443, 443 times a year. So you're looking at $5,316 for the year. Um, so for maybe a, a business, a small business we talked about before, maybe the way to go. I know a lot of you are grumbling saying, Jack, I can buy servers cheaper than that because I can too, but not with the power of that back end that you're getting. That's that's the big key here. That's not that's something you're not going to be able to afford. So just something to think about. I wanted to bring it up here to you. I wanted to start opening your minds. If anybody's using uh, any cloud-based servers, um, please write me and let me know and give me some ideas of what the cost is going to be to us uh, at a school district. If you're in a school district, again, let me know because that would definitely help me out and I would definitely appreciate that. So, folks, I think that's going to be a wrap for this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me here once again at Tips from the Server Room. And sorry I didn't record yesterday. It's, it's a one-day late thing. Uh, yesterday was super busy and uh, it just got away from us and, and it does happen. 
So please remember, if you buy anything from Amazon, I know sometimes I even forget, go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com in that upper right-hand side. Click on the little link that says, uh, you know, buy from Amazon. A few uh, pennies from what you buy, a few dollars come back to the show, and that greatly helps me out to buy new equipment. We're always looking for new equipment. Right now I'm in the market to buy a new, uh, probably a new higher-end Windows PC. Uh, so that's something we're in the market for, and hopefully I'll be uh, putting that in uh, soon. Hopefully, if it works out that I can get some of you to use that Amazon link, that definitely, definitely helps me. Please visit tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Make sure you deactivate your ad blocker because I know we all use them. And click that link. What I usually do is put the stuff from Amazon in my uh, basket or in my shopping cart. Then go out, use that link. You'll get right back to Amazon, then check out. And then that way you know all those purchases uh, will be credited back to the show. So that's a good thing. We also did set up, and I told you about the Patreon page. So you can definitely go there, patreon.com. And uh, you can use that, and that is also in the show notes each week. If you want to donate a buck, a, you know, a buck a month, or whatever you feel is necessary or appropriate, folks. Thank you so much for watching, subscribing, and downloading these shows. I truly appreciate it. And thanks to all you new folks out there, um, you know, watching the video. Uh, I see a lot of people coming in watching the video, and that's that's awesome. Uh, like I said, you get a little bit more when I do the screenshots, obviously, but. Um, it's definitely great. Make sure you hit the thumbs up and please subscribe to the channel. Uh, my channel's been around since 2008, so please subscribe. I would love to have you on there. Until next week, take care, everybody, and I will talk to you then. So long from Tips from the Server Room. Bye-bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long. <laughs>